This is the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, the Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Welcome, weekend warriors of Michigan politics and government. Uh, We're going to get started with a guest right off the top here, and she is Sarah Hubbard, and she is the principal or a principal in Acuitas, which is a government relations firm in Lansing. She's a consultant. For years, she was the vice president of the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Sarah Hubbard, welcome to the Political Insider. Thanks, Bill. Happy to be here. Well, Sarah, I'm just going to start out saying this. Uh, You come from a prominent uh, political family, I think, down in Branch County, like Coldwater, Union City, right? That area? That's right. The Uh, thriving metropolis of Union City. Yes, (laughs) home to lots of cornfields and soybeans. I know. But uh, you have got what I think is one of the tallest assignments in Michigan politics right now. You are one of of two Republican nominees for the University of Michigan Board of Regents. Uh, These seats come up every two years, and these nominees, including Sarah Hubbard, uh, are made at the end of August or maybe early September in some years, and they've got two months to make themselves known to over 7 million voters in Michigan They've got very little campaign cash, no time to raise it, and they've got very low name ID. They're dwarfed by these glamorous races at the top of the ticket like governor and U.S. senator. And it seems to me like almost impossible to be able to campaign for this very important position. You're one of eight regents on the University of Michigan board if you are elected. So, Sarah Hubbard, please tell me, how uh, are you going to go about this? Yeah, well, thank you. And you say two months. Well, if I'm lucky, I have two months with, you know, the secretary <laughs> of state saying three million people are going to vote absentee this year. You know, I might have like one month because we think they'll be voting by the first of October. Absolutely at least right. Yes. You know, but um, it, it, it is difficult. And, um, you know, that's why you see some, you know, very wealthy people on these boards that can fund their own campaigns. Uh, I, unfortunately, am not in that camp. I do need to raise money to fund my campaign, and I'm, you know, doing my best to do that. But uh, you're right, it's, it's not gonna, you're not going to see Sarah Hubbard for regent on uh, Detroit area TV. You're going to probably, <laughs> if you see anything from me, it'll be digital ads. It'll be, you know, on your Facebook or other kinds of digital stuff. Um, and because everybody's at home right now, that makes it even more challenging. Is There's no events really to go to. You know, normally we would use the big Michigan-Michigan State football game for a great big, you know, campaign push. Um, that's not happening, at least not yet, but uh, it, w- it will be really tough. I mean, I'm, you know, really looking at trying to get straight to the voter in the most efficient and cost-effective way I can, and that's likely going to be, you know, communicating them with them on the device they're sitting in front of every day anyway right now, which is, you know, a computer or a cell phone or something like that. But the other the other part of it is that I'm you know, I'm running as a Republican. It's a partisan office. And for those who do vote straight ticket Republican, I'll get a vote out of that as I'll get picked up down the ballot. For those who aren't voting straight ticket, you know, they'll pick and choose. They'll go down the ballot, look at the names. And what we found in these board seats is that a woman's name does have a couple point advantage 
Um, I remember myself the first time I voted, and I didn't know anybody in these seats. I thought, oh, it'd be great to have women on these boards, and I voted for women. <laughs> so, um, in the Republican or in the Board of Regents race, um, there's an incumbent woman. There's myself, and there's a he has a woman's name there. So, um, for those who want to, you know, elect women, they've got a couple, three to choose from on the Board of Regents. But hopefully, they'll think, oh, I know Sarah Hubbard. Everybody knows the Sarah Hubbard, right? Right. Uh, well, let, let me ask, uh, on the board right now, what is the party composition? You say it's a partisan board. I mean, it's overwhelmingly Democratic right yeah. now. There's only one Republican on the board right now, and that's Ron Weiser. Um, the two other Republicans were knocked off in the last election. So, uh, yeah, Ron is the only one there. Uh, I mean, he certainly does what he can. He has a good relationship with the Democrats on the board, but he's uh, he's lonely. He'd like some friends. <laughs> From what you've seen over the years, does partisanship make that much of a difference on the board? I know Wayne State, for instance, is overwhelmingly Democratic, and yet they've been split four to four for like the better part of two years with warring Democratic factions on the board. So what do you think about the University of Michigan? Yeah, I mean, typically, you're right. The partisanship is not that big of an issue. The main job of the Board of Regents is to hire the president and have general oversight over the university. So, you know... Most vast majority of votes are not partisan um, in any way, and they rotate the chairmanship. So the sole Republican has served as the chair of the board as well. Um, but you know, most of the decisions they make are going to be kind of day-to-day things that are not particularly partisan. But occasionally, they do get into some issues related to labor. Um, they voted on a what's known as a card check issue recently that I think did divide the board a bit. But uh, other than that, you know, no, not typically too partisan. When did you decide uh, to run for the University of Michigan board? Is this the first time you've ever run, and why did you choose to run for the University of Michigan board at this time? Yeah, well, I actually looked at it about 15 years ago and uh, did dip my toe in the water in the Republican convention process, but that time there were six people running, and so I didn't take it all the way to the floor you know, for a vote, but I got my name out there. Um, this time I found out in early June that no one had yet filed on the Republican side for either of the openings. And then as I dug into it further, I found there was only one other person even looking at it. So I jumped on it and decided to get in there right as soon as I found that out. And, uh, you know, it's a process where you have to have some signatures from prominent party people, district chairs are called, um, to be able to have ballot access. And so at that point, the... um, you know, the campaign was to really build as much support within the convention delegate voters as possible to be sure that, you know, no one else thought, oh, this would be a great year <laughs> to run for U of M Regent. And sure enough, uh, my uh, friend Carl Myers, who's also running as Republican, and I were the only two who ended up actually filing for the race and then were nominated at the state Republican convention uh, last weekend. So, um, but, you know, I've always wanted to do this. I have two degrees from the University of Michigan. I strongly, you know, strong supporter of the university. I've been a season football ticket holder for every season except the one I graduated from college when I couldn't afford it. But since 1986, I've been a season football ticket holder. And I'll tell you, I really, really wish we were playing football this year. I um, That's one of the things I'm talking to people and hearing from people a lot is this, this issue about why aren't they playing? You know, all the other um, colleges are playing football. Games are happening. Things are happening. Coach Harbaugh is saying, you know, I can keep my guys safe. He said he didn't have any positive COVID tests in all of August. 
you know, let them play football. Let's do it. And now we hear, you know, President Trump may even be weighing in on the Big Ten sports. He had a discussion with the commissioner recently. So, I mean, I'm hopeful, and I think that's something that, as a candidate for Regent, is an issue that I can kind of bring out in the public a bit more. Well, that reminds me, what is your platform? I mean, is that going to be probably the overarching theme of your campaign? Let's play football. Let's get sports going again. Let's open up. Yeah, I, for, for now it is. Of course, there are many other issues, but, you know, that's a hot one right now that, that alumni and other people and, you know, fans are really interested in. That's what they want to hear about. You know, they here it is Labor Day weekend, and we're not, you know, preparing for a Michigan or a Michigan State football game. And, yeah, I mean, that's something I think where those voices can really be meaningful in this campaign and continue to press that issue. So that's, that's a, you know, certainly a highlight of what I'm planning to talk to voters about. In previous years, candidates for these university board seats used to go around the state and meet with editorial boards of newspapers to try and get endorsements. I mean, how do you go about doing that, or how do you uh, target, let's say, news media outlets around the state that could be venues for you to get your message out? Yeah, well, um, I'm hopeful there still will be some of those endorsement discussions with, um, you know, some of the statewide publications and such, but um, we'll be targeting, you know, independent voters primarily, those who are trying to find some good names on the ballot to get behind. Those independents are going to make the decision. Well, Sarah Hubbard, honestly, I could go on talking to you about this forever. I mean, it's such a rich, deep, complex topic uh, running for the University of Michigan Board of Regents. But thank you for being our guest, Sarah Hubbard, principal in Acuitas, which is a Lansing. Go blue. Good luck, Sarah Hubbard. We'll be back in a minute. returned with a few political news items. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has declared that gyms and pools across all of Michigan can reopen once more starting September 9th. Executive Order 176 allows indoor gyms, fitness centers, recreation centers, sports facilities, exercise facilities, and studios to reopen. Not included in this order are indoor theaters, cinemas, and performance venues. Bowling alleys, roller rinks, and ice rinks can open, quote, for the sole purpose of serving as a venue for organized sports, unquote, according to the order. Under another executive order, 175, all gyms and pools that reopen must enforce strict safety measures, such as required wearing of masks, at all times, including during times of exercise. For outdoor sports, the organizer of the competitions must either limit the audience to the guests of the participants with each athlete designating up to two guests or limit total attendance to 100 people or fewer, including all participants like athletes, coaches, and staff. Now, there is more detail, but... I will also mention the governor also this week extended her overall state of emergency executive order to October 1st. That is the overarching omnibus executive order that allows her 
to issue all these other, you might call them mini orders, like the one this week opening gyms and pools. So uh, this question of whether the governor has the power to do this unilaterally without any input from the legislature, that's being fought out in the courts even as we speak, and we're going to be hearing more and more about this in the coming weeks. Item number two, the Republicans thought that they had nominated Diane Donaskus to the Wayne State University Board of Governors at their state convention last weekend. But guess what? The Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, said that Donaskus had not filed her 2018 post-general election campaign statement required by law, and she owes $1,000 in late filing fees to the state. And as a result, they've kicked her off the ballot. They have said to the Republicans, you cannot nominate Diane Donaskus, who, by the way, was a longtime member of the Wayne State University Board of Governors, She served three eight-year terms, 24 years. She was the senior member, but then she was defeated two years ago in a Democratic landslide here in the state, and she was trying to get back on the board by being nominated this year. So the Republicans had to scramble around, and they chose Terry Lynn Land, a former Republican Secretary of State between 2002-2010, and the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate in 2014. They chose Terry Land to take Diane Donaskus's place as one of the two Republican nominees for the Wayne State Board. And I've got to say, folks, this has never happened. In nearly 60 years uh, with these board members being elected in a general election for Wayne State, Michigan State University, University of Michigan Board of Regents, it's never happened that you have had somebody nominated and then knocked off the ballot by the Secretary of State and the party, whether it's the Republicans or Democrats or whoever, have had to scramble around and come up with a substitute. Now that brings us to item number three. I'm going to have to go through this really fast. I just want to mention uh, all these board positions and the Supreme Court. They are on the ballot November 3rd. I mentioned this last week. The Supreme Court uh, Republicans nominated Brock Swartzel and Mary Kelly. The Democrats renominated Chief Justice Bridget Mary McCormick. And they also nominated East Grand Rapids Attorney Elizabeth Welch. And if the Democrats... McCormick and Welch both win, they will take control of the Supreme Court by a 4-3 margin. Right now, it's 4-3 Republicans. So a lot's at stake on November 3rd for the Supreme Court. For University of Michigan Board of Regents, you've already heard me talk to Sarah Hubbard, one of the two Republican nominees. The other one is Carl Myers. Democrats have nominated Mark Bernstein, an incumbent, and Shauna Ryder-Diggs. And incumbent. Right now, the Democrats control the University of Michigan board seven to one. So if the Republicans win both these seats, they will reduce the Democrats' margin of control to five three, but the Democrats would still be in control. Now, for the Michigan State University Board of Trustees, 
the Democrats renominated incumbent Brian Masalam, and they also nominated a Detroit area educator named Rima Vassar. The Republicans have two nominees. We're going to hear from one of them in a few minutes, Tanya Shootmaker, a former state senator and state representative, and Southeast Michigan strategic advisor Patrick O'Keefe. Uh, they are the two Republican nominees for the MSU board, which is also controlled by the Democrats. For the Wayne State Board, we just went through Diane Donaskus being knocked out as a nominee. So you've got Terry Land and Don Gates, who is a businessman in Wayne County. They are the Republican nominees, and they are running against a Gretchen Whitmer appointee to the board, an incumbent named Shirley Stancato, and Detroit community leader Eva Garza DeWalsh. For the State Board of Education, the Democrats have nominated a former Michigan State University football lineman, and he's a current football announcer, Jason Strayhorn, and former Representative Ellen Kogan Lipton. Uh, the Republicans have nominated Tammy Carlone and Michelle Frederick. So the Democrats control both the Wayne State Board by a heavy margin and the State Board of Education. Uh, again, the Supreme Court is actually marginally controlled by the Republicans, four to three. And by the way, these Supreme Court justices run as non Partisans. They are not like the three university board candidates who run on a partisan ticket. The Supreme Court nominees, and they all run in a pack, uh, the two Republicans, the two Democrats, I think there's uh, a splinter party candidate also running. So you'll see five names when you go to vote, and the top two finishers are elected. I mean, you can finish second, and you're going to be elected to the State Supreme Court. And in case you think these people running for the state Supreme Court really are nonpartisan, well, listen to this quote from Elizabeth Welch, who is one of the two Democrats for the Supreme Court. Quote, we have a huge opportunity this year. There's an open seat on the court with Justice Steve Markman, a longtime Engler appointee, retiring. This is the swing seat on the court. It is vital that everyone pay attention to this race and encourage your friends to vote for Welch and Chief Justice Bridget McCormick, unquote. So there's some partisanship, folks, going on, even though you wouldn't know it to look at the ballot. I will be back in a minute with another guest. We are back, and we are fortunate to have with us Matt Maddock. He is a Republican legislator, a state representative. He represents Michigan's 44th district. He was elected in 2018, so he's in his first term. He is chairman of the Transportation Subcommittee for Appropriations and chairman of the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules. And his 44th district includes Milford, White Lake, Highland, Springfield Township, and the southwest corner of Waterford in Oakland County. 
Welcome to Political Insider, Representative Matt Maddock. Hey, Bill. Hey, listeners. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. And uh, let me just ask you this broad question. I remember in 2018 when the Democratic nominee for Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, was running, her promising that she was going to reduce the wait time that Michigan motorists in particular experience when they go to Secretary of State branch offices all over the state, which has become a huge problem in recent years. She said, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to reduce that to virtually nothing. And yet two years later, it seems the problem is worse than ever. She's made a lot of excuses as to why she hasn't gotten this done. But now you have ridden to the rescue with a package of bills that you say will reduce or eliminate wait times for basic Secretary of State services, right? Absolutely. You know, the best days for me in Lansing and other legislators are when we have nonpartisan solutions to problems that everyone feels the pain from. There's about 7 million drivers in Michigan, and every single year we got to put these plate tabs on our plate to show that we've paid for our plate. Uh, Jocelyn Benson, you're right, she campaigned on a 30-minute or less wait time. And uh, as soon as we uh, started with her in office, you know, the wait times every month just kept on creeping up and up and up. And it wasn't uncommon for many drivers out there to have, you know, one hour, two hour, four hour. One of our fellow legislators' uh, wife spent five hours in a line. My wife spent four hours in a line once. But, uh, you know, the, the way we're doing it is antiquated. Uh, there's, we have technology to allow us to uh, ease the burden and, and reduce these lines. Well, that's just one of your bills, right? You've got some other bills, too. Yeah, there's actually two bills. The first bill eliminates plate tabs entirely. Uh, and what that does is it allows us to pay for our plates, but we don't have to put the tab on them. And incidentally, about the Secretary of State performs in a, when we're operating normally, not throughout COVID, but uh, performs about 50,000 transactions a day. And about 60% of the people that are walking into a Secretary of State office in Michigan are there to get one thing, a sticker. So imagine if we can cut down <laughs> these lines. Perhaps we can reduce them 25 30 40%. Um, it would be a, a win for everyone. And as a legislative body, you know, every single bill we, we, we craft in Lansing cannot necessarily make everyone happy. But when you look at the tremendous windfall that this bill has for the 7 million drivers in Michigan to cut down wait times and just get rid of that aggravating nuisance that we have to go through every year to stand in line, you know, it'll be a windfall for all of us. You know, people still get plates online. People still get their tabs online. They get get them mailed to you. The postage handling, all this stuff just goes away. Yeah, didn't you have a hearing on this this week? I mean, what was the reaction? Was there any criticism of this idea? How could there be? the, re- the reaction was tremendous. We had we had a great hearing. Uh, it was uh, it went well. The, there was very little opposition. The, the Michigan State Police opposed it, and I think the Sheriff's Association opposed it. And what the police are saying is this: Okay, they're saying that we need the plate tabs because when our computers go down or the lien system goes down, we have to verify that the plate is valid or not, and we do that with the sticker. So, well, my answer is: How often does lien go down? How often do police computers go down? It is extremely rare. I'm a bail bondsman. I know it lean goes down about three or four times a year. Or when they do put it down intentionally, they're do- doing some maintenance, which is usually at 4 o'clock in the morning. So, um, you know, there's going to be some opposition. But like I said, 
the, the windfall of, of, of benefit to the drivers of Michigan far outweighs the, you know, the, the small opposition. What about the Secretary of State herself or people on her staff? Did they take a position on the bill? Uh, when these bills were first introduced before COVID, she made a statement. She said something to the effect like she's open to uh, partnerships or open to, you know, uh, to look at them. The second bill is quite creative. The second bill allows us to allows banks and financial institutions the option to opt into performing the Secretary of State ser- services. But you probably remember this bill. Back, be- back be- in the early 80s, um, actually for about for about, 50, about a 15-year period of time, you could walk into a AAA office, a branch office, a AAA office, and actually do your Secretary of State duties there. You could actually perform, you know, get plate tabs, title transfers, et cetera. Uh, it wasn't until the mid-'70s where we actually had Secretary of State offices. What they did beforehand is they had different businesses would bid on the – would actually – almost like a lottery system where they would actually bid on the business and they would have the opportunity to, you know, provide these services within their business, for example. So providing banks and financial financial institutions the option of, of providing, providing the services is another part of the bill. Uh, another part, important part of the first bill is – the option to allow us to have electronic electronic registration. Four years ago, we gave Michigan drivers the option to have proof of insurance on their cell phones. Let's basically do the same thing with tabs and registration. Well, what was the reaction to that second bill, the commercial banks, credit unions having the option? Um, you know, this is what I think is going to happen. If that bill does move, I, I can probably see something like, you know, perhaps credit unions would provide this service perhaps even free to their customers, kind of like grocery stores when they give away eggs or milk at a, at a, at a steep discount just to drive people into their, into their, into their offices. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, and Tristan Cole, had a, Representative Cole, had another great idea. We've got all these kiosks, but I'm not talking about the Secretary of State kiosks. I'm talking about the kiosks where you go to buy your, your, your uh, hunting license. Okay? Why can't we just set those kiosks up in Myers and wherever they were? I mean, there's hundreds of them everywhere. So you just scan your you just scan your uh, your your driver's license and the clerk says yeah which which plate you want to, which plate you want to pay for today you give them your 150 bucks and you're done. Wow! So he brought that up at the hearing. Yes. And what was the reaction to that? What was the reaction to that? You know, I, I call these bills the the make seven million people smile bills, and uh, <laughs> there was nothing but smiles in that committee room when he talked about that when he mentioned that. You know, we, we've been through a lot. Michigan, you know, we've, these doldrums that we're in right now with COVID, you know, Michigan needs, we need something to make us, smi- make us smile. And I think this is a, a good idea, and I think it's uh, reasonable, and I think it makes sense, and it, it, it should be a nonpartisan issue, and um, I'm looking forward to it. Well, what are your chances of getting these bills out of committee, through the House, into the Senate? What do you think? <clears throat> you know, Oftentimes what drives policy like this is people that are listening right now to myself, um, you know, call your legislator. Let them know that this is something you're in favor of. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a simple solution to a problem that we're going to go back to. Uh, we don't see these lines getting any shorter, you know, once COVID is over. Um, you know, when they started doing the uh, online reservations, those, those they actually that was a good idea, and it worked well. And you could get a, an appointment within a day or two, so, you know. But now it's like people are calling my office telling me I can't get I can't renew my plates I can't get my kids driver's license until December. Wow, uh, you're chairman of the transportation subcommittee of the 
Appropriations Committee Appropriation. in the State House. Yeah. Um, what else is going on in that committee, uh, either with respect to driving or anything else that you think is important <clears throat> that you might be working on here in the next few weeks or months? Um, we are doing our best as transportation chair to uh, again keep our roads funding without keep our roads funded without having to do a gas tax. I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if the governor and they call for another gas tax. Uh, there is fraud, waste, and abuse in our in our budget. There's fraud, waste, and abuse in almost every par- part of government. We all we can all agree on that. So I'm doing creative things to uh, cut down the costs in our budget and uh, keep that money you know flowing onto the roads. Well, listen. Representative Matt Maddock, I really appreciate your input here. It sounds to me like you've come up with some uh, very innovative and creative ideas. I wish you well. Good luck. Representative Matt Maddock of the 44th House District in Oakland County for being our guest. Thanks for having me on, Bill. We'll be back in a minute. We have returned and are very fortunate to have on the other line with us former senator, former state representative, Tanya Shootmaker. Uh, she is a Republican of Lawton down west of Kalamazoo. She represented the 80th House District for three two-year terms and then two four-year terms in the state Senate in the 20th District. She was term limited in uh, 2018. And she's now in private practice of law. She's an attorney, but she is one of two Republican nominees for the Michigan State University Board of Trustees. She's got a running mate, Patrick O'Keefe. And I was talking at the top of the hour with Sarah Hubbard, who is a nominee by the Republicans for the University of Michigan Board of Regents. And I just got to say, Tanya Shootmaker, uh, by the way, welcome to the Political Insider. Well, it's great to join you this morning, Bill. Well, I want to ask you, why did you decide to run for the MSU board? Uh, What is your feeling about uh, the problems that the university has faced, is facing now that you think you can help rectify? Well, I'm running for the Michigan State Board to ensure that every child out there has a strong future that graduates from Michigan State to protect students on campus, uh, whether it's in free speech or to make sure that they're safe. As you mentioned, I was in office uh, for a number of years, and I chaired the higher education budget. And uh, doing so, you know, I really recognize the importance of higher education and public safety. And so I want to continue my work um, on the MSU Board of Trustees. Well, Tanya Shoemaker, uh, you are a very well-known political name in southwest Michigan, but the problem running for these university boards is statewide, uh, most of the candidates over time have had very low name identification for the voting public. I mean, you're going to have over 7 million voters on November 3rd, potentially, and they're not going to know who you and some of these other candidates running for university boards are. How do you get your message out in such a short space of time, just a little bit over two months? And maybe you could even say one month because absentee voting and mail-in voting is going to start. 
So. You're exactly correct. That is always a challenge uh, for these university board uh, seats. Uh, I'm just hoping with my record that, you know, I think voters out there uh, like to educate themselves, that they'll take a look. I just filled out a questionnaire for the League of Women Voters, and so hopefully every voter out there takes um, and goes through and goes down the whole ballot uh, rather than just, you know, the top of the ticket. But that always is a challenge, and hopefully uh, with uh, raising money uh, and then getting my message out there on social media will be the, the key. Do you think in the era of COVID-19 that that has totally changed the way you can campaign in the next two months for the MSU board compared to the old days when candidates used to get in a car and drive around and be interviewed by local newspaper editors and try and get their endorsement, that kind of thing? Well, yes and no. I think uh, you're still going to see a lot of uh, press reaching out, wanting interviews, um, and also going to the editorial boards. Um, And so I think that will still remain the same. But, yes, you are probably looking at somewhat of a different because the absentee ballots uh, will probably be a lot higher than what they normally are. Yeah, the MSU board right now is controlled by the Democrats. Uh, Do you know what the margin is and how might, you're getting elected, and maybe Patrick O'Keefe, your running mate, getting elected. How would that change things? Right now, there's only two Republicans on the board, and so I definitely believe that we need more representation on uh, the Republican side. So hopefully Patrick O'Keefe and I will be successful and uh, get a split board. What about the Larry Nassar scandal and its aftermath? Uh, Is that still a pall hanging over MSU, or do you think that's largely been dissipated and you can kind of look to the future? Well, definitely, I think, looking to the future, but it certainly is an issue. We had a number of victims out there that, you know, are permanently scarred for life. And, uh, you know, I've tried my best both in the legislature and helping lead the the package that helped those survivors um, as a proud Spartan. You know, Spartans don't turn away from issues. Uh, We take on those issues head on. And so, um, I certainly think that uh, there's a lot of healing that will will take, and that doesn't happen overnight. But I definitely think that MSU has a brighter future ahead of us, and I look forward to making a change uh, to make sure that uh, for the students that will be graduating, such as my daughter who graduated last uh, spring in the in the COVID era, and every generation of students coming thereafter, that we can make Michigan State a great place to get a valuable education so that they can have the skills to go out in the future and uh, be gainfully employed and uh, make this American dream a reality. What about the students at Michigan State now in the fall semester and the mix of, you know, in-person instruction and or online, or what is it? And did the board and the president make the right decision and what they're doing right now? I definitely think that we need to get students back on campus. My daughter just graduated uh, with her undergrad is now going to law school. And uh, they were going to be doing a hybrid class, which I thought was appropriate. Uh, But now they're all online. And I think that there's a lot that you miss uh, from the class instruction that I would argue that, you know, teachers and professors are – are essential workers to educate our next generation. These kids, you know, already missed out a lot in the spring, and 
now um, to have their either, whether it's a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior year, uh, cut short, I think is just a real real failure. And so my, I would definitely advocate that we get kids back in the classroom. Um, I think there's protocols out there so that we can keep them safe um, and effective and uh, really educate them because I think there's so much more that can happen in the classroom with in-person learning than online. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, but uh, a lot of people are saying, you know, this era of online instruction may take hold in such a way that in the future it's going to change the way of life on campus and maybe students are going to be more remote and virtual and not on campus all the time. But you think that's just absolutely taboo? That shouldn't happen? Uh, you got to get all the students back for in-person uh, classroom physical face-to-face instruction? You know, I, I don't know what the future holds in the in the future or the education holds in the future, but um, I definitely think that um, having, because they were going to do hybrid classes, I think a mix of that would really be beneficial for students. And when you're looking at how students are educated best, for the most part, I believe it is in, in class learning. Either that or if it is going to be online you know, I, I think definitely look at, you know, somewhat of a tuition reduction. Um, as a parent, uh, you know, I feel that you could go anywhere and, you know, probably for less money online. So that's going to be the way that they're going to do it. Then I think definitely we have to look at uh, tuition cut. Yeah, you know, uh, you all running for the MSU board run in a pack is the way I describe it. It's not like you're slotted races, like you, Tanya Shootmaker, are not running against Brian Masalam, and O'Keefe is running against, uh, you know, Rima Vassar, who is the second Democratic nominee. Um, you all run in a pack, and so some years we've had one Republican get elected, one Democrat, because all you have to do is finish in the top two to get elected, right? That's correct. And uh, Pat O'Keefe, are you campaigning with him, or are you all doing your own thing, or what? Um, I wish Mr. O'Keefe a lot of luck. Um, I am going to go have lunch with him next week. And so, um, you know, definitely I think you're more uh, effective as a team. Obviously, he has the Irish name. I always joke with him that don't uh, have the the Irish name, (laughs) the Dutch name. Um, But, um, you know, definitely um, I I think that he and I would make a great team uh, running for the MSU Board of Trustees. And uh, I, I certainly think that, you know, especially with Mr. Masalem being one of the incumbents, you know, that made uh, some awful decisions, uh, he definitely needs to be replaced. Well, now, what were his decisions that were bad, in your opinion? Well, in my opinion, he was the one uh, trustee that recommended a pay raise uh, for the president at the time uh, that all this was going down. Um, I think he also probably turned a blind eye to uh, getting rid of William Strample. So I think there's a lot of uh, decisions uh, that he should be held accountable. I'm held accountable for my record, and uh, I definitely think he should be held accountable. Okay, well, listen, we could talk so much more about this. It's such a complex topic, but I want to thank former Senator Tanya Shootmaker, Republican of Lawton, for being our guest. Thank you, Tanya Shootmaker. Thank you so much, Bill. Have a great day.
We'll be back next week with still more. 